2: Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews.
1: We actually a high grade for you. <laughs>
2: Hello, welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, we're talking Pakistani players of promise, who the big four bats are, climaxing to Barbara's arm, and what makes us feel good. Ireland beat England in the third ODI after Tom Banton says the England team are the hardest sports team in the world to get into. Who gets the Boxing Day test, where the World Cups are being played, and Shane warns new Cologne. Brendan Julian is on the show. Rob Key is on the show, and we'll finally answer the hashtag #AskTDC from last week about love in North Yorkshire. This is all thanks to Budgie Smuggler, buddy Smuggler UK.com. and Pezza Manscaped, who get twenty percent off, twenty percent off at your purchase using the code TDC at checkout. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Sam Perry, Pezzy Lad. Get mm-hmm. it through the chest. Some more sexual language from our early doors. How are you, Pez? Yeah, going well. Going well. Thank you. Nice intro. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, ah, yeah, it was all right. Um, mate. The main story of the week is mm. obviously Shane Warne's new cologne. Oh, yeah. And I was reading through my Bible, GQ. Yeah.
3: Fuck, our DMs were popping off, weren't they? Popping, that? man.
2: They were popping. They were blue ticks everywhere. A couple popping of blue off. bombers. Uh, GQ headline, which reads this, Shane Warne's new fragrance is basically tailor-made for the post-game circuit. That's a headline on GQ. Okay. Shane Warne's new fragrance is basically tailor-made for the post-game circuit. So I want to know uh, what the royalties are going to be, because that's obviously just Chop King cologne. Yeah. Well, look, you know, we love the king, mm. don't we?
3: I mean, there's uh, he's the white whale. He's the white whale mm. of the show. So I'm mm-hmm. loath because he he would be a listener. I'm loath to you know criticize this too much or suggest that there's any kind of I confusion over who owns the circuit based cologne. <laughs> yeah. It's just great to see Chopkin Cologne yeah. come to life. Uh, you know, this was an idea born. I, I remember where it was born. Mm-hmm. I was in England. I was emceeing a gig at North London Cricket Club that Murph Hughes oh, was Murph performing Hughes at yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, and the yeah, three yeah. things I remember from that yeah. performance are. Um, a lady, a sophisticated UK woman, accosting Murph to do more abuse sledging stories <laughs> once he'd finished. Right. Uh, I also remember a player during the president's speech yelling out, spank me daddy, while the president rebuked the club <laughs> yeah. uh, for not training and yeah. giving away their wickets and stuff like right. that. And overhearing yes. someone say afterwards, like over a few pints, that they reeked of runs. And I thought reeked of runs. That's funny.
0: And oh, then, this is before Chopkin. And, that, King, okay, Jesus, and yeah, this is okay, where yeah, the idea right. was born, Chopkin okay. Cologne, which has now yeah.
3: obviously yeah. reached full actualization with Ooh. the launch of Shane Warne's cologne at Chemist Warehouse. <laughs> so I'm just happy that the whole thing yeah. has come full circle. Okay. And I'm happy for Warn. The woody and boldly intense fragrance exudes sophistication, sensuality and warmth and in sumptuous yeah. agree- uh, ingredients that envelop the senses. That could be describing Warne's leg spin itself. Now, we should say mm. all the proceeds from that go to supporting children with cancer. All proceeds. Right. So just adding that in there, it's yeah. a lovely little execution from sure. Shane. Sure, But then we'll
2: separate that yeah. and make connections with Choking Cologne. Yeah, well, that's true, Pez. But also a quote from Warren on this in his article said, I've had some good feedback from women. They seem to like <laughs> this. People will notice you wearing it and they will comment on how wonderful you smell. So, you and know. he's the, the king.
3: R- <laughs> king. <Just laughs> what list. is it
2: about Warren? He's the king. What yeah. is it about him? Yeah. Heaps. Yes, there's a bit going on. Yeah. Well, there is a bit going on, mate, because mm. there's, I mean, there's, there's heaps to talk about on the show, a couple of great guests, a couple of wonderful commentators. Rob i I'm excited about. Yes. We've already had those interviews and they're good. Yeah. They're good fun. Anyway, but before we get into that, yes, uh, I don't know how to preface this, a little TGC announcement, no, we're, oh. we're just trying to tell these people about. We're, we're, we're putting more out there.
3: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more out there now. Uh, you look as everyone knows, we're living in a moment where you have to you have to hustle a little bit. You have to make a few new avenues, yep. make some changes. It's a COVID environment. Right. Um, it's no different for this, you know, modest digital operation, and so. Um, he goes and I with TGC have decided to kick off a Patreon page for those who are interested if you are able to support us and mm. no stress if you can't for those who are going to pop into the DMs and say, you know, it's money hungry and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. No dramas if you can't at all. Nothing changes for you. Everything with TGC remains the same. But we've been thinking about it really seriously and we decided, you know, we didn't want a Patreon page to be a tip jar. We want to make sure supporters are getting something decent in return. So, like, our Patreon page is going to be where the dark stuff lives, mm-hmm. uh, the loose stuff, the stuff unencumbered by brand
2: considerations. You know, not that there's brands ser- there's ever. S- there's certainly things that you can't say on Channel 7, for instance. Exactly. Like you might be able to say if you're being, you know, supported by the lovely people out there who are watching and listening to this stuff out there. Now you look down the barrel of the camera because I know News Limited is now putting
3: our TGC cast up, our, our, our visual stuff. Anyway, um, we are not getting any money for that. Uh, it's just ripped. It's like Daily Mail stuff. So um, you're, if you are a Patreon subscriber, right, yeah. that's what you're going to get. What do they get, You're going to get, get, get a bonus podcast every week. So, yeah. a new podcast yeah. for you, for your ears only, hey, we, special private feed.
2: We're about to record that. I'm um, exactly. pretty excited.
3: Yeah, it's Ask TGC Fridays. It's the looser, darker Ask TGCs. basically. We're going to be answering that long and extended, going into sordid detail, mm-hmm. answering the questions. And it's Ask TGC Fridays because it's for those who – are nervous about playing the next day, and they have things they want to get off their chest. Friday yeah. is the most anxiety-driven day for sure. Exactly. So, plumbing the loose, dark depths of club cricket, there you're also going to get exclusive access to TGC essays, long-form writing from Higos and I. Um, you know, covering the rhythms of clubland. Those of you who saw the story on Facebook this week, for example, two and a half thousand words or something like that just going into a very deep expose <laughs> it was deep. over uh, it was how deep. to deal with Friday nights before <laughs> yeah, cricket. Yeah. Well, I can tell you there's already one up there on the Patreon page. Mm-hmm. There's already one ready to go. It's 1,800 words and it's on how to get through a Saturday when you're dismissed at 10.47 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> the art and the science of being a top order right. batsman getting through the day. What do yeah. you do? You know, How do you manage your pavilion conversations? Mm-hmm. Do you score? Do you go on a lap? What happens with that person that you How you actually with?
2: literally get through the practicalities
3: of getting through a day you're right. out in the AMs. Exactly. You're out at 10.47 AM, you realise there's 12 hours left in this game and you don't bowl. Okay, so that's long-form stories with Patreon. You're also going to get uh, every month club dream, uh, cricket dream analysis interpreted by a clinical psychologist. So I've got a clinical psychologist on board. You're going ha- to write in your cricket dreams mm-hmm. and they're going to be answered by a, a trained clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so someone said the other day, they wrote in and they said uh, – you know, I have the normal dream where I'm padding up. I'm going out to bat, but all of a sudden I'm batting with scissors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I didn't see that. Okay. What does that and we're mean? We're not gonna
3: speculate. We're gonna get a psychologist in to tell you I
2: could speculate
3: <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the meaning of scissors in dreams. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're gonna get for the Patreon. That's a dollar a week. That's a co- that's a coffee a month. Yeah. For all of that. It's four podcasts a month. You don't have to do this. And you don't have to do it. That's for five dollars a month. If you wanna go into the ten dollar a month. Well get? Yeah. You're gonna get well, we're calling it cricket tarot readings. Uh so on top of everything <laughs> no, you just said, you? you're gonna get a private you're gonna get a personalized thirty second to one minute video. We talk positively about your character, mm-hmm. your circuit style, your position, the social hierarchy. That's a that's a um direct message to you. Um or unless you request a masochist reading, in which case we'll do the same, but the op- uh, we'll do the opposite. Yeah. You know, we'll say why everything about you is, is wrong and yeah. bad. Um we're also gonna be compelled to read your ask TGC on the weekly show um so long as it's legal and complies with base level moral and ethical precepts which we will determine okay so pez one more time where, where do they find this patreon.com slash grade cricketer okay. we started it off it's a little it, if you can support it great if you
2: can't no dramas yeah no dramas do what you can if you can't don't worry about it exactly all right let's get into the actual cricket now. yes england versus pakistan let's start with that england versus pakistan now we're recording this on saturday yeah. because we're fucking idiots yes now, we're recording this because we have to record this today but like so the 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 state of play at the moment is Pakistan are batting. They're eight for something. The lead is eight, eight for two forty. Essentially, that's that's the lead moment, right? They've got, they got a
3: lead at two forty. So this game
2: is going to it's going to be a
3: cracking, it's great. Finish. It's a good test match, swinging back and forth. Lots yeah. of players making important contributions, yeah. but no team getting away. This is cricket in England. Like like, bravo to cricket in England. It's
2: always happens. It's the best place, mate. It's the best, it's the best place, place to play. Yeah. This never happens in Australia. Yeah. The game's over in the first innings. Exactly. <laughs> so often.
3: Yes. So it's 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 on a knife edge, yeah. and that's just what happens with cricket in England. I mean, just one thing I want to note. Go. A bus, Muhammad a bus to yeah. Ben Stokes walking down the wicket. It's Italian kissy fingers, that stuff. You yeah, know, just yeah, yeah, nicking yeah. that off yeah. pail, nibbling it away, same pace as James Vince. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. Yeah. That's what I live
2: for that. Yeah. I, I, there's so, t- so many times I've watched... This test match, this test match already, which is a fuck, it's a great matchup. Yeah, and Pakistan is so exciting because what the fuck are they going to turn out day to day? They're, they're like really young team. The bowling attack super young, obviously in the same shards. Two 17, leggies. Shane is yeah. nineteen yeah. or something. They, they're young, A couple of leggies. It's exciting. So this, this team could be anything, yeah. or it could be nothing. Yeah. But like some some of the some of the highlights, like Rizwan played an off drive last night, and I, I saw it. and went, oh, yeah, oh, just a visceral. I yeah. didn't mean to. Yeah, but it was exciting. That's probably even and the oh, are yeah, fucking a bus again? Yeah, yeah, a yeah, bus. bus. Remember you um, well, we saw him when he was playing against Aaron Finch, and he was just blowing up Finch's yeah, pad. Yeah. Muhammad Abbas is getting Dom Sibley out every single time, yeah. just hitting those pads, yeah. getting those big long legs out of the way. Yeah. He's hitting the he's hitting the pads, blowing, blowing, up the, blowing, the, blowing it, him up, yeah. blowing up that front pad. <laughs> it's violent. Not, it's not because the same show as sexual language. It's like it's get it through the chest, Pezza. Yeah. yeah, that's what that is. But then the Abbas. And you said there was a bit of a back and forth,
3: well, not back and forth, but like um, someone questioned Jofra's pace again in the first in the first innings, and he said, mm. you know, they said well, Nazim's able to go at sort of you know eighty five, 90 mile an hour, and he said, yeah, let's see how he's going in the second innings. So mm-hmm. like, There's some shots fired there from mm. from Joffre. I Guess mm.
2: we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't really care about that stuff, man. Just so like, let's move on let, from that. Just, just, let, just let, let that go. No, yeah. we'll just just let just let just let Archer Bailey. I was mm. sick of the Archer stuff yeah. already. Yeah, because I actually it's actually interesting why. Well, we could talk about this because. Because Broad and Anderson are just the kings of England. That yeah. works. You want to go into that first?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: and I just find it so interesting because, like, that this. Like Anderson uh, sorry Anderson Broad Broad took three wickets in the first inning, so he was the yeah. leading wicket taker again in the so he yeah. he's just England. He's Broad. so good in yeah. England. Yeah. We've seen this over and over mm. again. Anderson same thing. But the point being that like they I feel like England don't really care about the series against Pakistan or the West Indies or New Zealand or fucking even India necessarily. It's all about like winning the right kind of series at the right time. And obviously the big series coming up for England is gonna be in the ashes in twenty twenty one. Unless the IPL is played then. Yeah. You know, but yeah. like but so I just feel like like what's the point of taking Wokes, for instance, to England? What's the point of taking Anderson – sorry, to Australia? Mm. What's the point of taking those guys to Australia again? So Anderson, for instance, has been on four tours to Australia. That's 20 test matches. How many test matches do you reckon he's won, pairs mm. Three. Mm. In the time they won – the time they won 3-1, yeah. uh, 2010-11, the only three times he's won a test match.
3: If your bowling attack is centred around Broad and Anderson in Australia it next won't work. year, yeah. evidence suggests it won't work. Yeah. You know, there's literal – History. Yeah, there's – objective
2: yes. history Yes, it won't work. Background. Yeah. Now, the year that they won, Anderson was leading wicket-taker to be fairly, yeah, like something 20, 24 wickets. Every dog but like, has but, his day. But, like, for instance, that series, I'm sure English fans every dog has his day. He's got fucking series almost six, 600 test wickets. Yeah. That's not me. That's a Jimmy Cricket. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. But I just feel like, um, uh, you know, like, that series, 2010-11, no one thinks, like, oh, the bowlers won that. Everyone knows that Cook just fucking – Cook and Trot, we just couldn't get him out. Yeah. We being you and I, yeah. we, we tried to. They loved to stick, that series. I loved a stick. Couldn't get him out. So it was just a bit like <sighs> he was part of that series, sure. But when England won, they had Bresnan, yeah. Finn, Tremlett. Mm. So it's more just like height-based selections basically. Yeah, yeah. So, Or chest
3: in, in Bresnan's case. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, true. But I just – so, you anyway, know, the point being is like Archer's going to be so important for them because he's, he's control and his mm. pace and his mm. bounce in Australia. Mm. And Wood. Wood. Wood is well, his pace, isn't he? Mm. His pace, so it's something. It's I guess so. Like so what system. I'm saying is, like, Anderson, what's the
3: point? Can they do it? Well, but then the philosophical question is, like, is the Pakistan Test Series and the West Indies Test Series in England yep. as important as away in Australia? Commercially, mm. no. Eyeballs wise, no. But home summer, you've got to win at home. Win That's at home. how actually the country stays yeah. psychologically together. Right. So, and if you need Broad and Anderson to win at home in the summer, mm. And then that gets in the way of Wooden and Archer and other guys coming through, mm. then you kill yourself going to Australia. Mm. It's a it's a it's a pretty nasty conundrum they've got there. I mean, they dropped Stuart Broad for one game and he was literally shaking. He gave he gave yeah. an interview saying yeah. he was he almost went into
2: convulsions. Yeah, he had conniptions. Mm. Have <laughs> had conniptions, Bez? All the time. All the time. Daily. So I yeah, because I'm um Steve Finn, who was on the show last week, didn't yeah. ask him this actually, but he took six wickets during the week, um, playing county cricket. And he's still in the Lions set up, the England England A setup, you know. He's he's a chance to go to Australia again. He has won there before, but through I just chest. I feel like he's much more likely to actually take wickets yeah. than Anderson.
3: You need guys to go through the chest, as simple as that.
2: Go through the chest. Yeah. Simple as
3: that. I guess you play night games though. Anyway, that's a whole different thing.
2: Hey, let's talk about the big four going on. This, yeah, this, yeah, go, this, this, yeah. This fucking big four conversation where like, well, so, Bubby hit seventy, so yeah, yeah. So Bubby hit seventy, Bubby hit seventy, and then all of a sudden he's in the top four, and Joe Root's out. Big four. So like, well, I should preface this conversation more uh, delicately in that like the the big four was a concept created maybe about two two and a half years ago, where the big four was Williamson, Coley, Smith, and Joe Root. And that's kind of like being the best four batsmen in the world yeah. who, like, they all contribute to the team equally and they always win games and blah, 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 blah. And then over time, sort of Joe Root has sort of his form just slipped a little bit and then Barbara Zahm has scored some runs and now I think, oh, no, Barbara's actually in and Joe Root, you know, where is he now? Mm-hmm. Pez, thoughts?
3: Okay, well, the big four is a marketing concept, yep. right? It doesn't actually exist and I think it should be renamed the big boys uh, for huh? starters. Huh? I think these guys are big boys and the reason I are big boys and I think the category should be this mm. is that you're a big boy when you play, you consistently play innings mm. that win games for your side. They're okay. decisive innings. Let's forget the number of runs or the arbitrary um, celebration of 100 or 50 and all that kind of malarkey. Mm. It's literally playing innings that puts a game to bed. You, are, you, you cannot lose after it. Smith, big boy. Big boy. Coley, big boy. Williamson, <laughs> big boy.
2: <laughs> you can't say that with those dead eyes to me. <laughs>
3: couple of years ago root pretty big boy yeah let's go through some numbers smith 62 average of 62 from 73 tests 26 tons Coley, tons. 53 average from 86 tests 27 tons williamson average of 51 from 80 tests 21 tons i'll give him that cuz he doesn't he he doesn't get to play against new zealand yeah williamson yeah root average of 48 from 94 tests 17 tons hates of 50 so how's smith meant to feel about joe root i got nine more tons than you in 42 fewer innings um, but we're in a big four together we're a big boys together Mm. Um, spinning chips. Now, Babar Azam (laughs) averages 45 from 26 test five tonnes. In the 90s, you'd side-mouth it. That's, you know, you'd give it up with those numbers. In Australia, if you were playing Shield. Give it up. uh, But he's averaging 70 from his last 12, and he did hit an on-drive at Adelaide Oval last year where Gideon Hay said, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Babur. The the, the charge against Root, who could be a big boy, is he hasn't won matches for England lately. With the, with the stick. He hasn't had a stick that's gone, the game's over. Yeah. That's
2: what a big boy's got to do. Yeah. Fuck off with your big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so someone wrote in an ICDC, maybe it might have been last week, the week before, and someone said like thoughts on Joe Root averaging 75 with a GM and now he's averaging – with a new balance, he's averaging 40 or something. Like it, Joe Root in the last like two years has not been in the top five batsmen in the world. Yeah. Let alone – like, and also Smith and Colley, it's a bit like Messi and Ronaldo for me. Those two were –
3: that's right, and then like Separate. And then
2: like Williamson. Williamson's like Suarez. Yeah. Or like I you know, agree. just like awesome. That's I, like Joe Joe, Joe's a fucking worldie. He's yeah. so good at batting, right? I'm not saying he's rubbish. I'm just saying like he ain't on, he ain't close to Coley or and Smith. Nor, he man, ain't he, close. And nor would Joe say that. Not that nor I know him. He?
3: Nor would he say I'm How a big the boy, account, I'm i
2: I'm a big four, I'm in the big four. Not a big and boy. don't you forget it. You know. He's got some Eldon Generous stuff going on as well at the same time. You like those kind of jokes? Did, yeah, Ellen. Does he really?
3: Oh, I see, yeah, because because looked, he looked, they looked the they looked same. same. Something, yeah. 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 Oh mate, when well. he
2: looked like Ellen Moore when he had fresh face. Can't get enough. Yeah, can't get enough of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, but I mean, were people really outside of England saying like, "No, Joe Root's he's he's a big boy"? <laughs> were <laughs> they?
3: I don't I don't know if they are. A, he
2: comes to Australia next year. He yeah. scored some big boy runs. he yeah. He put his big boy pants on. He can be back back Straight with the big away. boys.
3: Yeah, exactly. Hey, Labuschagne's played 14 Test, average
2: 63. Is he a big boy? You can't. Bubber his arm and have 12 digs and he'd be a big boy. <laughs> it's okay. Don't laugh too much. Reviews. <laughs> Mate, um Josh Butler. You know, you know I'm a big butler guy. I do. I'm a big boy of the big butlers. Okay. Fuck, there's too many B's in this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, a bit going on with Butler. Uh, okay, so, so, so like he, he's so on the fire now. So his runs – I questioned his runs a little while ago. Like where, where are the butler runs was it, what I was saying. He's
3: starting to get to the point where people are saying like he needed 100 in his last innings. He, yeah, he yeah. hit 38, sort of scratched his way to 38 yeah, as well yeah, yeah. Uh, overnight as we go to where. Yeah. On top of that, more keeping mistakes. More keeping uh, mistakes. He, he, well, dropped one or missed one, an outside mm. edge from Sharnasudu yeah. when he did 156. Yes. Uh, and so, you 100 know, it's 156. Yeah. He's got keepers breathing down his neck yeah. in England. Keepers who are, um, are indisputably keepers, cleaner. There are
2: keepers everywhere in that England Exa- setup. Everywhere, everywhere folks. you look, there's Airstar. a keeper. Yeah, yeah. Fucking uh, folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, folks. Yeah. With a bit of folks, well, for,
3: for obvious reasons that mm-hmm. we've discussed here on the show, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the thing with Butler. You know, forty-four tests, averages thirty-one. That's that's a that's a. Good keeping average. Someone good. says, what is your keeper
2: average at number yeah. seven? 31? Yeah, but Baker. in this game he's batting six. He's Can a, your number six average 31? Well, probably a little bit, you know. Uh, but if your big boy is number four yeah,
3: and he's Joe Root. Yeah, it depends where you put your big boy. So the problem is that like he's – it's like Shane Watson. Like he's a victim of his own potential. He's only yeah, got one ton. And it's yeah, like, yeah, like but that. you should be better. So now you're actually pushed down yeah. a little bit. Now the problem Butler has – What's his problem? Well – West Indies and Pakistan coming out this summer. Yeah, this is the cash
2: in summer. Yeah, cash in summer.
3: Every player needs, runs. needs their Sean cash in Marsh yeah, runs. Travis Head runs. Travis to Head to a runs. Extent. Yep. But you need that. You yeah. need to cash in
2: because
3: mm-hmm. then you've got India. You know, with this big three mm-hmm. situation coming out with, with cricket, mm-hmm. you have got India and Australia in the next two years. That's going to be tough. That's tough runs. Mm. So you have got to cash in with West Indies, Pakistan in the COVID environment. No one's around. Yep. No sure josh and the problem josh has he's got white ball capital great white ball capital yep. does someone does anyone in the game strike it more clean is there a clean Maybe. is there a is there a is there a nicer um swing of the bat? well yeah
2: that, that's that's why that's why I like the butler runs because it's just clean clean he's got stable good- runs round the ground tricks flicks fucking all sorts going
3: fast on. hands fast twitch yeah fast
2: hands fast twitch yeah Love my butler runs. Yeah. I want more of them. I want like white ball butler runs, how do you transfer it to Red ball? Like giving him every chance. The he's ke- not taking them. The keeping stuff is really interesting because um, like the catches that he's dropped, the hardest catch as a wicketkeeper keeper is if you're up to the stumps and it's front foot nick. Mm. Now people will say like should have caught that. And like when you're at that level, these guys, now believe it or not, Pez, these guys are a little bit better than me. Okay. But so like, but the hardest thing is like front foot nick, you cannot, you cannot change your hands in, in time, like the ball either goes into the gloves or not. You can put yourself in a good position to catch those balls. And I think he's doing that, but literally like, so for instance, conversely, the easiest catch as a wicketkeeper up to the stumps, back foot cutting Nick, that's the easiest one. Cause the ball will deviate very like the, the ball has to travel a very small amount from it's your masterclass, Nick to the gloves yeah. front foot, it can go anywhere. It goes in or out. That's basically. Mm. And he's dropped a couple of catches like that. But when it happens over again, then he misses the stumping. Then the runs. It's all a bit like, oh, can we can we do better? Can we get some folks in? Can we get some more? Salary You've got to comp-
3: compensate with your attractive but voluminous runs. Yes,
2: and they're attractive, but they're not voluminous. Uh, anyway, so who's going to win this game? Give me your no. Don't do that, um, mate. England versus Ireland uh, is a thing that we should briefly just touch on. Yep. And yep. I find the most interesting thing about this now. <laughs> The squad is like – they literally played this game the day before the test match started. So it is two different two teams. Two squads. But it's still – well, Tom Banton said before the game that this England ODI side is the hardest team in the world, sports team in the world to get into. Then they lost the game against Ireland. Now, Ireland are no mugs, to be fair. They're not dreadful. And I feel like it's, we're a little bit spoiled in Australia because we don't have – like we're not playing against like Papua New Guinea or Hong Kong or fucking the Cayman Islands. I'd be interested in that team, to be fair, the Cayman Islands. But, like, so England have more chances to lose games against, like, more associate nations because England have lost their last internationals against the Netherlands, Scotland, and Ireland now, which is funny. But, like, Australia don't play these countries very often. And if we played a a B-grade side against Ireland, for instance, chances are we're probably going to lose a game or two, Yeah, you know. But when we see England lose, we like that. It's funny.
3: Yeah, I, I
2: I don't know if I've got too much more to add than that. I, didn't I mean,
3: laugh ge- I geographical like, oh. isolation yeah. kind of protects us against losses yes, to minnows. that's what I'm saying. You know? in COVID, Whereas if we're in Europe, which we are in terms of our monarchy. That's true. Head of, we actually, you actually can't be actually, head it's of state Actually, been good to hear
2: from the Queen during COVID just to support us. Been good good. Been you good. can't be head of state of this country if you're from the country. You can't be. Oh, yeah, that's going to make me think. Okay. Yeah, you can't. If
3: be, you're Australian, yeah. you can't be head of
2: state of no. Australia. No, that's. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, mate, heading to the Australian news. Oh, is there anything else to talk about in England? Oh, just a, no, just so a,
3: Andrew. Andy Balburnie needed to bounce back after Vince bounced him out. So it was good to yeah, see him Yeah, that's true. you got
2: 100, yeah, yeah. Paul Sterling's a guy who's been around for as Well, he's like nine ODI 100s. Yeah. No mugs. No mugs. No mugs. Love Um Mate, Australian Australian cricket news, uh, it's sort of coming up in terms of like there's, there's – okay, so there's state cricket, there's the Afghan – uh, Afghanistan Test Series, there's a WBBL, the BBL, and the basically the Test Series against India. Those are the big things coming up. I guess you could go through the whole calendar because the Women's World Cup now, which was going to be played in February in New Zealand, has now been moved to 2022. You were saying just before we started that the World Cup, the T20 World Cup, the Men's T20 World Cup that was going to be in Australia in September has now been moved to 2022, and India have decided that they're going to play that in India. Is that right?
3: Okay, so... There's no World T20 this year now in Australia. Right. That World T20 will be in India in 2021. And then Australia is going to do a World T20 in 2022. So basically right. next year and the year after you're going to India or Australia and Australia for World T20 World Cups. I've got a feeling that T20 World Cups are just going to be every year in probably Australia or India for a while. That's all you've got to worry about. Okay. But there's also 2 million cases in India today of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, and one in 11 are getting
2: are being reported as being tested. So, oh, okay. So, fuck so all being tested. There's two million people who have COVID at the moment. All in good. So all little, good. No problems good. there. No problems there. Now, the Afghanistan test series that's supposed to be played in Perth on November 21. That's gone. Surely. Yeah. Okay. The main question is, I think, um, the Boxing Day test. Yeah. Where, where's that being like? Where's Where's that being played? Oh, I don't uh, know, Pezzi lad.
3: I don't know, but there's obviously a
2: um like a, a darkly
3: humorous conversation about whether it will be in Adelaide or. Perth, right. darkly humorous in the sense that, you know, like Melbourneians own sport uh, in a lot of ways, but yep. for correct and appropriate reasons it's being discussed as being played elsewhere. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, where would you have it? I'd, I like Adelaide because Adelaide is just a fucking king ground and just looks beautiful. And I love uh, the
2: city of Perth. Yes. But Adelaide Oval is a better place to play cricket than the football stadium at Perth Stadium, which is a really nice stadium, but it's a football stadium.
3: Yeah. But, I like the wicket though. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but didn't you get the, the wicket get a, the worst review of the summer and it was yeah. the most exciting one? That was two think, years yeah. ago, a year ago, yeah, whatever. That was when the same show played in Australia. Yeah, and it was India the
3: year before that and we just bumped them and it was fast and it yeah, was yeah, Australian that's and it felt so safe.
2: Because like, the Wicked there is actually from the practice Wicked to the Wacker. Yeah. That's a, that, right. a drop-in. Yeah. Drop Wacker soil. Well. Yeah, Wacker soil, whatever that means. So – yeah, because I think that – so I didn't realise this, but you know how in Manchester there's the hotel which is attached to Old Trafford? Yeah. They're doing that at Adelaide now as well, and that's yeah. been built and it's going to be finished yeah. in October apparently or September. There'll be Bubble one, Boys there. Bubble Boys there. So the training hub is going to be in Adelaide. Adelaide is one of uh, – for people who haven't been to Adelaide to watch a test match there, go if you yeah. can. I mean borders are closed, so fuck, do whatever, do whatever you like. But mm. do <laughs> Borders are closed, do whatever you like. That's <laughs> that's my message. <laughs> fucking idiot. Um but yeah, you should go. It's amazing, and then Perth is a great place to go as well. Mm. So, if all four tests are played there this year, five tests are play there this summer, good. I am mm. happy with that. Perth is a great time, to put, to like for the eastern states as well to watch cricket mm. day that's- test match. But then, yeah, so that's that's my summation. Thoughts?
3: Oh, nice. uh, no, nothing, nothing more to add. That'll be fine.
2: Okay, uh, Brennan Julian is on the show. Rob Key is on the show. Hashtag guys, hello has, ha, bad. That. Hmm? I'm looking forward to transcribe that later. Hashtag I said just say a couple of belters in there, including answering that question we didn't do last week about love in North Yorkshire, True. Pez. So I don't want to overstate mm. that, but it's a good one. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, Manscaped is a new, new sponsor come on board and let me tell you I'm excited about this one, Pez. I'm yeah. excited about Manscaped yeah.
3: um, for many people, reasons. People, you know, this, this podcast, it may surprise many, skews to men. It skews fractionally towards males. Yeah. And uh, so – couple of blokes may have heard Manscaped come across other podcasts as well. Mm. Um, we're going to show you about this product. Mm. He goes.
2: Yeah. So support for the Great Critic Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Can you tell why I'm excited to talk about this?
3: I, I, I think I can, but I'd like to know more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an important like, – we've actually never really spoken about this on the show about like – Showering – well, because it's kind of gone out of the game a little bit with the uh, like di- like divisions in showers and stuff mm. in, in terms of literal dividers, not like some sort of yeah. you know, ethical division. Mm. Um, but, yeah, big – like pubart was a big thing. In, yeah? Yeah, like people like grooming, showing off, especially in the UK. There yep. was like a bit of competition going around. Yep. I would have killed – I would have fucking killed for manscaping back then. Really? Like the actual product spo- as opposed to, you know, getting there – in there with like some trimmers, yeah. Um, you know, secateurs, yeah. You know, yeah, nail cutters, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, Edward on those over the pubes, <laughs> exactly.
3: It's true. I think yeah. there's a lot of blokes listening to this
2: as they do their supermarket shopping quickly yeah. as well, get yeah. in and out. Um, yeah. could issues. be in the shower listening to this right now. That's a good point. People could also be in surgical theatres as they've mm. played before. Exactly. This is literally being put out through surgical theatres at the moment. Yes, we have been. We have had uh, feedback to that
3: effect. Yeah, yeah uh, it it. Up until this point, it's Mm -hmm. been very difficult to have a convenient, quick and effective way of trimming your pubic hair. Yep. Of getting what we'd call that optical inch. Yeah. But we do have it now. The optical inch is a huge factor. Uh, Manscaped has just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. And uh, through this code, you can be one of the first to experience
2: their life-changing products here in Australia. So, Pez, um, the electrical trimmer, yeah, uh, engineered team spent eighteen months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved lawnmower three which is what we're promoting today. Yeah, lawnmower, <laughs> lawnmower. See, people in quarantine pairs like you can't go out there, back on the dating game, and have all quarantine pubes. Yeah. you can't go out there, but yeah. like summer in Australia is just coming up. UK season right now. Sure, you can't get changed. There aren't changing rooms right now in the UK, mm. but that's that's no excuse. Still, people it's people in cars going to games. People are getting changed somewhere. Mm. Presentation is key.
3: And so we've got here their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents uh, a couple of years ago here. That's he the was, worst And night. when we talk about rigs a lot on this show, okay. we usually most of the rig conversation from fans concerns you, it concerns your Instagram page, sure. and it concerns your 4% body fat, yep. excellent uh, torso, right. I suppose, and arms. Do you only train <laughs> arms? Okay. The only stuff I get in relation to rigs is yeah. – like something's going on with Pez's eyebrows there, <laughs> which is fair enough too. Right. I've got to say, as a bald man, I'm, I'm kind of happy that I'm, something's happening. Sure. But Manscaped is going to be able to help me in this regard. Mm-hmm. I have had a manscaping accident on my head before using a razor, oh. and I just actually clipped a fair bit of skin off it. Now, that's not a very good – Oh, my not, God. Yeah, well, I'm talking about accidents. Yeah. Accidents that can be mitigated against with Manscaped 3.0 yeah. with the lawnmower. And yep. also, I love the name lawnmower. Yeah. Directly – it's targeted directly at men mm. – you know, as we've always said, never smart, always hard. Mm-hmm. Lawn mower. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine a physical lawn mower over yeah. your, uh, of your ball hair. You can't oh my do that. God. Yeah, exactly. So
2: the whole point of trimming the ball hair is to make it a clean presentation to, as a gift to your partner in a consensual setting. Mm. That's. But if you have got like nicks and cuts all over the place, all mm. of a sudden you got it's like Scarface, basically. Where are you at in the ball trimming Anything by the way? Like are you, how how low do you go? Like, I'm not going to number one. Yeah. That's also – that. that's that's getting itchy. When you get to – like, if you're like sort of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, you can probably get away with number one. Yeah. You know, I'm 34. I don't think I'm – like, if I'm meeting someone and I'm pulling off a number one, they're a bit like, is everything okay? And I'll have to tell them no. I've been manscaping too much. I've been manscaping too much. So there is a level. So, So there is a level. Okay, so the water- We should get through this out We should the get- way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: That's right. <laughs> <Just
2: kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff
3: with this product, though, yeah. isn't there? Water-resistant yeah. technology. Yeah. Uh, there's an LED light, illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise, more precise trimming. Right. 7,000 RPM motor. With Charging co- stand. Quiet stroke technology. Charging stand. That's for you to trim that junk of yours. Mm. You get 20% off and free shipping. Free
2: shipping, 20% off. Amazing. With the
3: code- TGC at manscaped.com. Get around us, support this. Manscaped.com code TGC for 20% off if you want to trim that junk
2: of yours the best way possible. And what a better what better way to introduce Rob Key and Brennan Julian on the show?
3: Okay, he goes. Uh, we've got a former England representative, Kent Legend, uh, and now full-time commentator and pundit with Sky Sports International and Domestic Cricket Coverage. He's got 20,000 first-class runs to his name with 54 tonnes, mm-hmm. uh, a highest test score of 221, and is, and these are my words and others, the bright star in uh, English cricket punditry. Mm-hmm. It's Rob Key, author of the recently released book Oi Key, and he's on the great <laughs> cricketer, Keezy, uh, if I may call you that. Hello. How you going? Was it morning, evening for you guys? Morning for me? Yeah, something
2: like that. Yeah, yeah, something
0: something. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always the way. Now, I, I, just, I
3: want to start with this book that's out now. Like we haven't teed this up in any way to promote your book, but the book is mm. going to kind of capture a lot of what we want to talk about. Um, Oi, Key uh, Tales of, uh, is, is the tale of a journeyman cricketer claims to shine a light on the darkest recesses of the dressing room, oh. which is pretty much our <laughs> wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, so, like when you when you shone that light. Into the darkest recesses mm. What did you find?
0: Well I don't know about the darkest recesses But it's just like Everyone thinks that professional sport And professional cricket Is like that people have the secrets And it's like this magical place Where they just know They're just so much better at cricket than everyone And they know all the answers There's more nonsense goes on in a dressing room I think than any other office or workplace In the history of anything really You know And I suppose, really, because you spend in county cricket, we spend so much time with each other. You get to know people just inside out, and you get so bored. And boredom just brings out the worst in people at times. So there's there's moments, I suppose, when... You know, that you can't talk about and others you can. And I was lucky. I played with some of the great players, you see. Well, you know, I wasn't a great player myself, but I played with some of them.
2: Well, speaking of getting bored with some of the greats, so there's a story going around that you were playing for Kent and Shane Warne was playing for Hampshire. It was a game at the Rose Bowl and there was a rain delay and you guys started playing a bit of poker. And it started during a rain delay, but then it went all night. I mean, like you know, first of all, how much was Warning throwing down some cash? Mm. Uh, I, I know, I know, you're know, a man, Casey, <laughs> but you know, uh, talk, talk us through the talk <laughs> us through the poker at the Rose Bowl during a rain delay.
0: Well, so yeah, so Warning back in the early days, before he was playing poker every night with Joe Hashem, who won the World Series yeah. of Poker, yeah. was like the rest of us, where he was pretty average at it. So we turned up at the Rose Bowl, and. Yeah, it was one of, you look at the forecast and it just looks like it's going to rain all day. So, so by then, Warney's got like a whole poker table at the Aegeus bar, road bar, as it was there. Yeah. And every time it rained, we would rush in and we'd continue this massive game of poker. And it wasn't for huge cash because we were county cricketers. Warney was, you know, a rock star, wasn't he really? So we couldn't match him in that, but he just loved that competitive stuff. And I think we finished at about three o'clock at night thinking that it was going to rain the entire day's play the next day. And it turns out that we ended up, you know, having a bat for that day. You know, Warney was, was used to, you know, Warney's used to getting no sleep at night and getting up to God knows what. So for him, it was like completely stuffed all of us. I could barely, I was sort of, what, you know, in the dressing room after getting out, almost falling asleep. But the poker just continued, you know, it, it, it became more important than the cricket game, actually.
3: I love this idea of like uh, just keeping the old school alive you know, mm-hmm. of, of cricket because I think a lot of people who listen to this cast will identify with that approach to the game, especially playing like grade or club cricket in Australia and the UK as well. Like, can you give us a, a couple of your a couple of memories or even just shine that light again on like uh, life as a young county pro? You know, it's when you started that circuit and just some of the things that went on there.
0: Well. I- it's, it, you sort of look back now I mean I went at Ken the first overseas that I played with as a nine, 18 19 year old was Carl Hooper and if you remember cool saw sort of Carl was as, was just as laid back as anyone now he was he was a great player in county cricket. If the motor racing was on, you could almost sell his runs. you just write him off because he was never, ever going to get a score. He walked, I mean, this is, yeah, he's probably just shy of captain in the West Indies, and he's watching the F1, which I can't bear. I don't know how it's even on telly. And, you know, he's walked out without his box because he he barely got out to the middle in time, snicked off early, then came back and watched the motor racing. And we would, you know, then we had people like Dravid. Dravid came. And Ral Dravid is one of the great men of cricket, I think. I think he's regarded as that, and that's absolutely fair. And Raul Dravid, I used to think, I learned how to play spin just from picking the brains of Ral Dravid. I watched mm-hmm. him warn in a game, going at it in county cricket. So you get this sort of first hand where he's unlocking the secrets to how you play spin. And I think pretty much all we did, when he turned up, he said things like, "g's" and shucks, and... He was so mild-mannered. And then all we taught him was how to swear and a few (laughs) dodgy words. But, you know, and then it goes on Murley when he turned up. Murley was the, you know, again, he turned up with stuff signed from the World Cup that they won for anyone who had a benefit. And, you know, I ended up going on holiday with him to Sri Lanka. And he, he was just such a nice bloke. But he was such a child. So he played cards in the dressing room with him. And he was so loud. You know, he would he would just sort of run around the dressing room abusing everyone and he was learning English as well at the same time so any stereotypes Murley would jump on him, and he would just hammer people especially our, our physio who was from New Zealand so you can imagine the sort of line of attack he went on him you know so it, they were just you get to see these people in for what they're really like and most of them, nearly all of them were just such, you know, the better the cricketer, the better the person, as Warner Murray, I mean, Warner Murray in my opinion, are two of the greatest people I've met.
2: Mm-hmm. If we go back to your, like, the, the very beginning of your sort of professional days, I suppose, in, in 1998, the... England in the nineteen World Cup. England actually won the tournament, sort of, came from – well, it was a, a surprise when I think it's fair to say. I was, go, I was going through some of the names, Casey, and, like, who was playing in that competition, who was playing in that tournament that year. There was, like, the Marshall Brothers for New Zealand were playing. I think Kyle Mills was playing as well. Mm-hmm. India India had Mohamed Kaif, Harbhajan Singh and Vrinda Saywag. Mm-hmm. They didn't even make the final. So it must have been a pretty weak team apart from those three. England had yourself, Graham Swan, Owe Shah was playing as well. But you guys won the tournament. And what, 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 are, what, are, what are some of your memories about, you know, the early days of, well, the under-19 World Cup, I suppose?
0: Uh, India, whenever you played under-19 cricket against India, they were never that great a side. Back then, they are now, I, India under-19. Mm. But you almost, because a lot of them were 16, 17, and we were under-19, we played county cricket, sort mm. of gnarly old pros, even at that mm-hmm. stage. So I don't remember, you know, when someone said, oh, you played against Saywag, I thought, really? I thought They were terrible, India under-19 and Harbourjan. <laughs> um, but that, again, you know, Swanee I'd known since I was 10. And Swanee, I don't know if, you know, Graham Swan will talk more than anyone in the world, more than Murley or any of them. So much so, he, I remember rooming with Swanee and every night he would just have conversations with himself, but he's a mimic. So he would constantly be, you know, he'd go from being a male to a female and he'd just argue with himself in two different characters about Swanee. Shut up. But he, he was the, probably the worst thing we ever did. Or one of the worst things we did on that trip We rang as a guy called Dave Fulton who played at Kent, who was, you know, he hadn't had the greatest start to his career, but he was just starting to come good a bit later on. So we rang him, and Swanee can do a brilliant David Lloyd impression. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember where England were touring or wherever it was, but we got, so Swanee rang Dave Fulton, the player, as David Lloyd, telling him that he was going to get selected for England. <laughs> but Swanee's impression was so good that we almost had to ring him, Dave Fulton, an hour later just to say, "By the way, oh that God. was us." Uh, you haven't. It was, in the end, I started thinking think that's when he had gone a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no,
2: that's
0: fine.
3: It's funny speaking of going too far, like uh, I'm sure many would sort of yearn for the old school days well. you know, it's a cliche to say, you know, when men were men, well, yeah, you know, and you stuff don't. like that. But I will, <laughs> when men were men. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you could sort of say what you want on field a little bit, fewer stump marks and whatnot. Today, you've got a more sanitized approach to the game. I don't know if the players like sure. it, but, you've, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got, you know, the, the best Australia's captain can do is uh, talk about Richard Pant babysitting. You know what I mean? He just sort of <laughs> feels like something's <laughs> lost. I mean, is that, is that something you can speak to?
0: Yeah, I, I mean now by the end of my career at Kent I'd have been what 36 and this generation was coming through the Sam Billings, Bell Drummond, Joe Denley was a good mate mm-hmm. of mine, probably a little bit older. Um and I remember as a captain you, you have to try and find a way to relate to people. And it's high, I'm your sure 36 and guys are 19, it, 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 I found it quite hard. So the only thing I could do was learn how to play FIFA on Xbox, because a lot of them just live by that. When I came, when I got in that Kent side, first of all, the difference was, we played in the first, my first one-day competition was the Benson & Hedges, it was known as, if you remember that, it was like a 50 over comp. But it was sponsored by Benson & Hedges, the cigarette brand. And I reckon there must have been 400 fags put in the room every, every game. And let me tell you, it was a scrum to see who could get them. You know, and I was 19 and at that stage, my mates used to smoke. So, you know, 400 Benson hedges, I'm thinking, you know, I'm on probably, yeah, I'm on six grand for the whole year. So I'm thinking, you know, I could do with them. <laughs> but you, you, you would not get near them because nearly every player smoked. Now it's the opposite. You know, you can't imagine, you know, if Benson and Hedges got thrown into the dressing room, you'd think probably no one would know what they are. Mind you, that's not quite true. There yeah. may a few of them. That mm-hmm. do Except smoke. for Warnie.
2: Warnie finds himself all of a sudden just finding himself right in that campus. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, obviously, we just had, um, we just had the uh, england western Indies series, Casey. In, in 2004, you were playing in the corresponding uh, series, England, West Indies, 2004, just before that, 05 Ashes, packed Lord's House, Rob Key comes to week, it's 221, goes past 100, Richie Benno's commentating, the Queen's there, you <laughs> met the Queen at tea. And I'm just thinking, like, like how much in every single capacity and every facet of life was 2004 just a better year?
0: Yeah, but then now, than 2020, yeah, I yeah, mean, well, there's nearly yeah. every year in the history in the history of years this is the worst year that's ever been isn't it just you know a new year when everyone's saying oh, i can't wait for 2020 well yeah, yeah let's go back and do that again shall we? <laughs> but no it was good i remember it was a bizarre time because in cricket you don't often have those moments where i spent most of my life wondering where my next run was coming from but in 2004 you know i thought here we go you know i'm going all right and you know, it's just one of those sort of perfect storms. England were a good side. Michael Vaughan was an excellent captain. Mm. You know, he was that sort of captain. Most, the same with coaches and captains at that level. It's very hit and miss. Mm. And Michael Vaughan was, was outstanding. And you just sort of go out there and you had this sort of freedom with Andrew Strauss. And it was like the next generation coming through. And the West Indies weren't particularly good, to be honest. You know, but I do the commentary now and I'm forever arguing with NASA. In particular Because NASA will just You know Coat off everyone That I played against You know Omari Banks <laughs> And then he'll off. put up himself kind You know of then, he, then he'll Then he'll put up You know Courtney Walsh yeah. Wazimak, Cram, Waka, Eunice, all yeah. these, I'm sort of trying to, impress, I said, they were only good because you lie, that generation, were terrible. <laughs> you know, the England team then didn't win anything. You won one game, one series in the dark against Pakistan, but no one could even see the ball. Yeah, apart from that, you know, we got to number one in the world, my generation. You guys, mm. you know, Australia used to beat you every time. Yeah. You know, but anyway.
3: <laughs> just, just just on Australia, Casey, Just, I'm, I'm just mining for more stories here But you're at Kent, uh, you had the chance to play with both Andrew Simons and Steve Waugh Was it at the same time? I mean, what does what an Andrew Simons, Rob Key and late-years Steve War dynamic look <laughs> like?
0: Yeah, so, Mark, so Simo became one of my best mates back then mm. yeah, I used to room with him and he would play He turned up at Kent in this, do you call them Coobras? What's yeah, the Coobras, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loved that. Is it J.M. Williams? The, the R. M. big M. sort M. of gun yeah. R.M. Williams or whatever? <laughs> so I'm at the room with him and, it, and sort of we have a few drinks. And at 10 o'clock at night, as we go to sleep or 11 o'clock, he puts on this John Williamson. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there, going, I'm 22, you know, I'm into. You know, like probably, um, I don't know, dance music, whatever you want to see. You know, I'm in the rave scene or whatever, yeah. and I've got this uh, bloke who's singing about like rip rip wood chips and, <laughs> you know, billabongs and Hulk's yeah. in Matilda and stuff. And I'm like, mate, uh, what is this? Right. He, said, oh, mate. he said, mate, this is proper music. I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> sure about that. But anyway, Simo was, he was so much fun because we were not the same age. He was a bit older than me. He was such a good cricketer as well. And we enjoyed things on and off the field. And then when Steve Waugh actually turned up, and Steve Waugh was a bit my hero growing up because, you know, I was probably eight or 10 when I was watching him. And we'd gone, the committee, he was staying in the flat that Simo had been given and we were, you know... I used to stay down there because I lived an hour away from Canterbury where we played. And they sort of said, make sure it's in good order. So we're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We, so we gave it a clean, but that night we ended up going out and we went to sort of a student night and and somehow a big party ended up back at that flat. So the place has absolutely been turned over. And Steve War gets there at 9 o'clock in the morning and one of my best mates, who doesn't? Really, he knows a little bit about cricket. He's like a club third teamer. Okay. He comes out with all the. He doesn't know that they're there, there, or, or Steve War's coming. But he's got a stinking hangover, and he walks out, and he's just in his pants, and he sort of looks at me, and I'm sort of quite embarrassed with Steve War, and he says, "Keezy, do you know where my um, do you know where my socks are?" And then he sort of opens his eyes properly and realizes the captain of Australia is standing right in front of him, and he just the sort—he of, was so starstruck by him. Now, I remember his face. Ben, he was called. He's just sort of gone. I said, "Oh, Ben, this." Oh, Simo, sorry, he's gone. Tugger, Ben, Ben, Tugger, and he couldn't speak.
3: <laughs> Steve Wall wouldn't have said
2: much
0: either. He wouldn't have, have said, said like, yeah.
2: Yeah, something outside of the mouth.
0: No, yeah. Yeah. he thought it was quite funny. I'm not sure to fifty eight committee members that all of a sudden turned up to meet Steve War found it quite as amusing. Yeah.
2: You obviously moved on very successfully to, you know, a broadcasting career with Sky. And, you know, in a recent piece for Sky, you were batting in the nets as Rahul Dravid because you two played together <laughs> as, at, at, uh, at Kent. So I'm just wondering if we can expect some more bowling masterclasses of you impersonating Nasser Hussain when he bowled in Durban when <laughs> South Africa were 572 for six.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Do you know what? I've never seen Nasser bowl. And when I, I tell you, like, when I play. Was my, that's why my book is called Oiki. I hate the fact I've got a book out, but I got paid for it, so that's it. Same. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, so my so Freddie Flintoff I grew up with, he was my best mate. And um, so this is how England sort of worked then. We were playing against India on my debut, and two days before they sort of walking around the huddle. This is what I mean. It's nothing special in how they think at times, because Fletcher, the coach, sort of goes – who does first slip? And Fred went, you do it. And I'm thinking, I don't do first slip. And I'm terrible first slip. So anyway, Fletcher sort of says, Go on, and you go in there. I thought, What is going on? And surely they have a first slip. This is the England cricket team. And I'm standing at first slip. And after about an hour of the first day, I think Tendulkar's batting or whoever, or Ganguly. So I'll just become a name dropper, actually. I'll be like, but anyway. <laughs> I'm standing, and NASA used to volley you left, right, and center, which I didn't know at this stage. I'm 23. And in the middle of an over, Freddie and I start telling Stewie about some of the stories we used to get up to when we were younger. So we're sort of laughing and relaxing. And I'm thinking, oh, this is good fun. And NASA shouts out from mid-off in front of everyone, "Oi, key, you fat, excuses! <laughs> I didn't put you there to chat. To, I didn't put you there to chat to your fat effing mate all day you know concentrate yet and so I'm like <laughs> oh my god and Ganguly sort of laughing at me and Fred just turned around and said don't drop one now Bob I thought, no. <laughs> Speaking of that, but there's... now you know now now he's my favourite person in the world so I absolutely yeah. love him he's such a good bloke yeah
3: well, no doubt a lot of that would have been built in the Skycom box. And, uh, you know, like, a lot, it's, it's probably a pretty unforgiving place. A lot of, um, a lot of people who've captained England, risen to the top of the game. And I think you've described yourself as, uh, at one point, being at the bottom of the pundit ladder. Um, you're not there anymore. <laughs> how, how do you get to the top of the pundit ladder? And, like, do you think the rule, do you have any advice for um, people in Australia who want to get to the top of the pundit ladder? Because it just seems as though you need to just talk about pizza mm-hmm.
2: toppings, uh, Benson and Hedges.
3: Benson and <laughs> <the> Hedges.
0: <laughs> It's um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's lucky if you're been an absolute gun player for a start, like Warney and these people, which I obviously was. I Honestly, don't know. You just, I just, you just, I feel like a bit of a fraud, really. I'm just blagging. I just, I see myself as one of the great blaggers. So when someone asks you a question, I can, I can sort of look like I know what I'm talking about yeah, and that's the key, really, I think you just it doesn't matter what you say, just try and say it with some conviction, and one person might believe you is generally my way of thinking about it. And try and imagine that you I always try and imagine I'm just with my mates in the pub, probably a bit like your podcast, where you're just trying to have a conversation and try and do it the same way. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty wise words Finally someone just wanted to ask uh, And this is a question This is a, you know, one of the deeper philosophical questions in cricket mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, That we've often posed before And you do get a lot Speaking of blagging or also you know, false answers I think there's a lot of false answers here But basically one for you Kesey. Um Would you rather um, make a duck and win Or hit a ton and lose
0: but that's absolutely no question. I'd always take a ton and lose. I mean, I'd lose every game because what happens in the end of that is all my hundreds. I go into the end of the year and I say, "Thank you very much. I'll have a pay rise and get rid of everyone else." Yeah, I just think anyone who says anything—I have this—anyone who has who says anything different is a liar, okay. because and they might go, "No, it's all about the team." And I, like, okay, you're going to get dropped next game because you've got four noughts in a row. <laughs> you know, you're gonna take. You're gonna take a hundred and lose, or you're gonna take another naught, get dropped, and find yourself, you know, doing whatever job that you that isn't as good as being a professional cricketer in your eye. No less honesty. no honest. honesty.
3: Yeah, I think that's a yeah over a hundred episodes to get that.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Rob Key,
3: thanks so much for your time. We obviously we'd never met or had any contact before tonight, so uh, very much appreciate your generosity in coming on to the show and and yeah, particularly finish finishing off so strong and telling everyone what we've all known to be true, <laughs> which is you know creates just a selfish game, hundred percent. Correct. See you later, boys. He goes. Uh, our next guest. Probably wasn't aware of this at the time, but according to many people, you know, while the Great Cricketer podcast started in 2016 with an interview of Murph Hughes, mm. it didn't come alive until November 17, 2016, uh, episode number four, when we interviewed Brendan Julian in person uh, in the halls of Fox Sports, uh, feet up on the desk, yeah. et cetera. It was uh, a super experience. Um, yeah. it, it was a wide-ranging conversation. Uh, BJ covered terrain like uh, the West Indies Circuit of 95, rig admiration in Australian cricket, and whether, whether or not we, like him, had lifted the Sheffield Shield before. 100-plus um, <laughs> episodes later, it's our pleasure to welcome back the man who first comprehensively Alfred the great cricketer, with great pleasure, Brendan Julian. Brendan, welcome to the great cricketer.
1: James, great to be back. You must have thought around about episode four that you guys were done and dusted. You probably <laughs> thought, well, there's no one else that's going to get on. We'll get beta because he's actually just walking around the office and looks like he's got nothing to do, so... I cannot believe. Is it 100? It can't be 100. You're the Bradmans of uh, podcasts. In terms of
3: frigates, you? <laughs> well, one of my memories from that, BJ, like to go off script was like yeah. we, we texted you from the podcast room and you're in the That's green right. room That's around right. the corner. It sounds yeah. very insidery, but yeah. you are in there with like AB and Mark Warren stuff yeah, and, you, and you said, come around and get me. And I said, okay. Yeah. So I walked around, knocked on the door, <laughs> and I said, oh, Brendan, and you're like, what? Just like <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, what just, do you want? Yeah, what do you, who are you? <laughs> you know what I mean. Well,
3: uh, but you know, that's 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 cricket media.
1: That that, that's only because you were too scared to ask AB Mark Warren. You knew that Mark War would be charging you thousands of dollars, and AB probably didn't even know what a podcast was. So you yeah. probably thought on the easy option there, and <laughs> hopefully, if BJ does it, we don't have to actually record it. But it's more of a segue to try and get the other guys in there. What have thought?
2: Yeah. We just wanted to chat, to be honest. And then we, yeah. then we walked yeah. in. You were shirtless, and I thought, yeah. well, this is something else. This is a real experience now.
1: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I thought I was in the ninety-five. We need bloody help.
2: <laughs> Still haven't got Mark or Alan Bordy yet either. Nah, but anyway, nah,
3: yeah. uh, where we'll we go. Well, well BJ, it's, it's you know it has been almost four years since we received that education uh, in the halls of, of Fox Sports. Um, fair bits changed. Uh, we're all now suffering at the hands of a global pandemic. Like how's COVID uh, and you know pseudo lockdown life for Brendan Julian? Well,
1: I will tell you what, it's been very very difficult. I mean, I've had to home school um, the kids will look like most people, but I've actually had to homeschool myself. I mean, Sienna and Jay got two girls, 14 and 17. They're like, I've got no idea what they do at school. I mean, you know, you pay all these school fees and I'm, I still can't work out all the equations that they're trying to give to me. So actually, it's been homeschooling for me probably in the last three months, three or four months, stuck at home with the family, stuck at home with the wife as well. It couldn't get any worse. <laughs> so, I'm just so happy that we've been able to get out and about a little bit. I've had to walk the dog um, a fair bit, and I've been playing a bit of golf, actually. I, I mean, I love my golf, but one of the most disappointing things I've had to do is you're not allowed to hop in the golf cart, yeah, right. and the only reason I like golf is being able to hop in the golf cart and drive around. So, I'm walking about 20 kilometers a week, I oh reckon, my God, I and my, my back's gone, my knees has gone, and I'm just getting like sore neck and headaches and oh, it's just a nightmare. So I don't know. I need I need to I need to fix it up. We need to do something because I um I do like social distancing. I've actually been a social distancer for about ten or fifteen years. So mm. I like my own company, so that's mm. been good. But walking around the golf course has been a nightmare and walking the dog's been a nightmare as well. So yeah. It's, um, I'm happy to get back to work. I can't wait.
2: Yeah, it's probably um, it's probably a bit similar similar to the players and it's with the commentators and the broadcasters. You're, you're like looking, at, looking at ways to stay sharp. I mean, I feel like we're just watching, you know, as we record this, the England and West Indies series is uh, being played out and it's like it, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't quite feel like it's actually – like it matters or it counts mm-hmm. or something. And, like, I wonder how hard you reckon it would be, BJ, for, for you know, the players especially to sort of focus on training and – You know, trying to be their best when they have no idea when they're going to play again, if they're going to play again, if there's going to be crowds there, what the rules are going to be with the ball, like all this stuff. You're going to be really hard to focus on, you know, the the future games, I suppose.
1: I reckon it it would be. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for for guys like, you know, Stephen Smith and David Warner. I mean, they had a year out of the game, they'd come back to play season and they got it basically another year out. So that's been difficult. Um, Mm. I reckon as a professional sportsman, I mean, you've seen it with the rugby league and the AFL. You know, they're getting back to it, so that's quite good. But, you know, as a professional sport, you like to get out and play. Mm-hmm. And suddenly when you're locked down and you're sitting around for four or five months not doing anything and probably even further not knowing when you're going to work next, I mean, that's, I, I think that's a bit daunting because, you know, you're so used to being on the road. You're so used to having so much stuff on. And, yes, cricketers and sportsmen will always turn around and go, oh, well, you know, I like to break and I like to get away but you can't get away, you can't break, you can't do anything, mm. and then all of a sudden you're locked in for four or five months, you won't be used to it. So exactly, yeah. It's like going to boarding school. So I, mm. I, I think it'll be I think it'll be really tough. I mean, I watched those the West Indies and the England Test Match, and I actually couldn't get into it. I mean, I watched mm. it for a little bit. I, I actually liked the 86, 87 West Indies, Australia, the MCG, those old mm. games mm. that will be coming up from mm. Fox. Mm. I'm loving that. They've got a cracking crowds. Yeah. You know, it's good cricket. It's you know, the West Indies you know just sort saw of one with Viv and Ambrose was yeah. playing and yeah. you know, that was a m that was amazing. You know, and then all of a sudden you switch on to live cricket, West Indies in England and you go, Mate, it's not even in the mm-hmm. same league. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. It's it's tricky and you know, we're gonna have to get used to it. I I can't see us having big crowds. You know, maybe in Sydney and Melbourne for the start of the big bass in December. I think Perth and Adelaide and Brisbane will get crowds, but outside of that, I you know, I think it's going to be tricky. Mm. I was going to say
3: on on that, BJ. Like one of the peripheral impacts of COVID has been questions over over where to reschedule. Melbourne sporting fixtures. You know, we've already seen states doing battle over the AFL grand final. Now we've got a similar thing at the moment in relation to Boxing Day. Like, where do you sit on this? And I guess, like many of us, do you feel do you feel any like slight dark enjoyment discussing temporary ownership of tightly (laughs) held Melbourne sporting (laughs) events?
1: Mate, I agree. I mean, firstly, I think the Boxing Day Test match will move to Perth, and I reckon it should move to Perth. If you can't get a crowd at the MCG, Mm -hmm. then what's the point of having the Boxing Day Test there? Sort of defeats the purpose. I mean, Day One, Day Two are the big days in sporting you know, in the sporting calendar around Australia. So if you can get a crowd in Perth for a West Coast Dockers game and the Derby and get nearly 30,000, I mean, I would be moving the Test match, the Boxing Day Test, to Perth. Mm. I'd be moving the first Test, I think, will be in Adelaide, the second one in Perth, and maybe Brisbane for the third one and then wait to see for Sydney. But I I cannot see any reason why you'd be playing in Melbourne if you can't have crowds. So that's, that's the first point. I think the Big Bash in December will start in Perth, and I think they should... You know, just have a hub over there for two weeks and just bang the games out in the first two or three weeks and then maybe move to Brisbane and Adelaide and do it that way. I cannot see teams flying around um, and you know, other sort of administrators flying around the country to do games. So I think they've got to lock it down get those games out of the road in December and then you can sort December out and then you wait and see for January. But that's the way I think it's going to happen in in December.
2: What are we going to do with the ball, BJ? Because, I mean, we've seen obviously the the new laws with the COVID rules that you can't put saliva on the ball and, you know, if you're using the Dukes and, you know, you're playing in Manchester, it probably won't matter that much. It's still moving around a little Mm -hmm. bit. But, I mean, when you're using the Kookaburra and you're playing on the MCG or you're playing in Adelaide or whatever and, like, the thing doesn't move off the straight anyway. I mean, I don't know how you're going to you know, make the oh, ball move at all. Back I mean, sweat? Yeah, back sweat, yeah.
1: Mm. Bottle tops? Yeah, back sweat. Yeah. I, I, mate, I'm more for scratching now. I, yeah. I think you should yeah. be able to work on the ball. I mean, mm. I, I was never a big one to go against, um, not ball tampering, but working on the ball to make mm. it go reverse. I think you should be able to do that. Mm. I mean, mm. no, you can't do bottle caps and you can't do sandpaper, of course. Mm. But I don't see why you cannot work on the ball to get it go, to, get it to mm. reverse. I mean, if you can't use saliva, then why can't you – you know, I think you should be able to scratch it with your fingernails and be able to do things to make it go the other way. Then, um, mm. see, I, I'm a big fan of that. It. it gets the game moving forward. It gives something back to the bowlers because, as we've seen, the swing bowlers are going out of the game. Unless you're unless you're in England, I mean Stuart Broad um, and also Jimmy Anderson, uh, doing you know they're they great swing bowlers. Mm. But you know, all of a sudden, um, if you can't work on the ball to get it shined conventionally, mm. I cannot understand why you can't. Um, work it the other way to try and get it to go reverse. Yeah. No foreign objects. I get that. But I I think it should be. I mean, you go to the MCG, it doesn't really swing at the MCG at all. Adelaide swings maybe at night time. Yeah. The new ball swings to five overs and that's it. And then it's just gun barrels. So, you know, I I, I think it's going to be difficult and you're going to see boring games. If if bowlers can't take wickets and knock teams over, they're boring games to watch. Mm. Now, either one, they, they do something with the ball like that, as I've said, or they make the, the pitches more juicy, you know, put a bit more in a bit more pace and bounce in them. Therefore, you know, it, it looks like a more of an even contest.
2: I wonder if that will actually legitimately affect, like, Mitchell Stark's selection because I'm thinking hmm. the Australian bowlers and it's like Cummins, Hazelwood, you know, uh, um, um, Pattinson, you know, th- these guys yep. are more into-the-deck bowlers, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. Whereas, like, you know, Stark might be used with a pink ball. It must be an absolutely nightmare to face at bloody 9.30 at night on a, you know, on a Wednesday night, I imagine. But, like... You know, he's really Australia's only swing bowler. And, and really, maybe, I mean, Ryan Harris swung in a little bit, I suppose, with a new ball. But Australia doesn't have a swing bowler in Australia for ages. And, like, we're just picking guys with on fast decks, just getting into the wicket, just bouncing blokes out, really. And, like, Stark is sort of the attacking swing option. But if it's not, if it's a cook bar and it's not swinging, then what's mm. his role in the team, you know?
1: Well, yeah, look, that's a good point. I mean, the, the thing with Stark is that his strike rate is not as good last year as it was in the years gone by when the ball was reversing. There's no doubt about that. Mm. When the ball was reversing, yep. he was cleaning up the tail. I mean, he was basically coming in and mopping it up at the end, taking Pfeiffer. Yep. So his strike rates are different because the ball was not reversing. And we saw that last year when the ball wasn't reversing. Um, he wasn't as effective. I think would and Pat um, Pat Summers can swing, and Pattinson's a good swing bowler if the ball was swinging. But mm. you're right, if the ball's not moving, you've got to all of a sudden look at other options. But I mean, I wouldn't be looking outside those options, those quick bowlers. And they're bowling 145, hitting the deck hard. So anyone that's got pace through the air, I think will be, you know, be pretty good. I mean, and Starkey, which I, I never thought he should take the new ball anyway, really. I mean, you know, Pat Cummins and Hazelwood should be taking the new ball all the time. But you're right, if the ball's not moving... All of a sudden, uh, bowlers aren't as effective, and Starkey was one when it wasn't moving for him. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, people start to question. You know, should um, Pattinson be in the side? Should Hazlewood be playing? Mm. You know, th- those are the other options that come into it. So, mm. yeah. If he's not swinging it, he, you know, he's not as effective, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Speaking
3: of guys coming into the side or just eligibility altogether, like the, the, the news came and went without too much conjecture recently. BJ, Steve Smith completed his leadership ban, so he can captain again if, if they opt to go that way. But more than anything, it kind of highlighted that David Warner can't, like in, in the cold light of day, like a, away from the emotional <clears throat> swirl of uh, sandpaper. Like, does it go against the idea of forgiveness and penance and, and progress that a bloke is, you know, permanently banned from a leadership
1: position? Yeah. Look, I think it's pretty harsh. I mean, I always thought the, the fans were very, very harsh as well. I mean, Michael Atherton got done for ball tampering, putting mm-hmm. dirt on the ball of the Lord's Test Match. I mean, mm-hmm. class 2 c has been done a couple of times. I mean, there's mm-hmm. plenty of captains that have been done for ball tampering. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a stage uh, where the administration from Cricket Australia were going against the players. They had the players dispute... Um, and I reckon the, one of the factors was that we, we were having a, a political election in Australia. And I think when Malcolm Turnbull got on the phone to James Sutherland and said, what's going on? I think that was, a, you know, that was one area where politics you know, just basically jumped in as well. And then all of a sudden you have this groundswell of saying, you know, a lynch mob, you know, let's get him, let's get him, let's get him. So, look, I, look, I think it's been harsh for David Warner, no doubt. I, I don't think he should have be been banned from a captaining role, whether it be a a BBL team or an Australian team or whatever, I think that was very, very harsh. Now, whether they would have made him captain in the future, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you don't have to make him captain. But I I think banning someone for that, I think, I think it's very harsh. I mean, I think he'd be a really good, you know, big bash captain. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, because they've banned him, I don't necessarily think he really wants to get out there and play big bash. I mean, yes, he'll play for Australian Test Matches, as much as he can, and one day internationals and T20s, but he's not going to be giving back like he would be. You know, I think if you if you dangled that carrot to him, because why would he want to keep continue to play big bash? We can't even captain the side, and the money's not as good as he can mm-hmm. get in another country. So, I think that's a big loss for cricket Australia. I think it's a big loss uh, not getting you know him involved. Steven Smith is a different is a different person. You know, I mean, I think he will come back and captain the big bash team. I don't necessarily think he should be captaining Australia. I, I don't think he needs to. Mm. I mean, I'm happy with Tim Payne at the moment. I'm happy for Tim Payne to be up for another couple more years. I, I think mm. we're at a stage of Australian cricket where there's not a lot there. You know, at the moment, I'm not seeing you know, someone that can hold down that position above Tim Payne at this stage. Mm. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got to make sure that you know, the guys coming into that side are in their spot. And at the moment, you can lock in about two or three batsmen, and that's about it. Mm. You know, you're not going to get, you know, you have a look at you know, the opener, you know, Joe Burns, um, he's not a lock-in there. Um, Matty Wade's not a lock-in there as well. So, and, you know, Alex Carey, you know, whether he comes in or out, but he's certainly not a lock-in. So, you having, you know, we haven't really sorted out our, our top 6 it There's been a worry for about three or four years, to be honest. It's got covered up by Smith & Warner, so. Mm. There's lots of sort of stuff that needs to be sorted out first before we start to look at a new captain, I reckon. Mm. We're talking
2: about, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, sort of play indiscretions, we saw just recently Joffre Archer, you know, breaking biosecurity measures just to pop off and go and see a friend. Mm. uh, somewhere. Yeah, and I wonder if Brendan Julian ever did that on a West Indian (laughs) tour in 1995.
1: Certainly, um, I I don't think I like to travel that far. You know, I'm quite lazy. (laughs) I mean, I'm quite happy for someone to come and see me. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm sort of hopping in the car and driving Six a, miles. a long way in, yeah. in between test matches and stuff like that. I mean, it's a home game for him, so mm, that's yeah. one thing. That's one one thing in England. When you when you play in yeah. England, I remember when we toured, uh, what was it, uh, 93, 97, 99, you used to get, um, you know, four, four cars, four high cars plus a bus. Yeah. So you always had to have four guys or four people that drive the high cars, and they were really cool Peugeot hire cars that, that they gave us so it gave you the opportunity to get out and about and drive in between games so that was quite good so they do it a lot in England anyway but mm. yeah it, it put them in a you know in a bit of a bit of a hard spot and look at looking about selection it might cost him your spot you know he might not play I know he's a good bowler but mm. you know Stuart Broad bowled pretty well so yeah that, that's interesting
2: yeah, I mean, I, I did ask you this four years ago, BJ, but I, I, it did come up again. I was watching that um, is it the '99 um, ODI series in West Indies when there were pitch invasions and bottles being thrown? Was that '99 or '95? Yeah,
1: '99. Nine. No, that was that was not that was before the World Cup. Before we went to England, yeah, for nine, and right. World Cup. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Man, yeah, I was, I was, that I, was Barbados.
2: That's right. I was watching those that that footage last night. I asked you again four years ago, but I'll just ask you again because it just looks terrifying. It, like people running on the field, Steve War's bats being taken away, people diving into the stumps. <laughs> you know, Steve was walking off the field and the bottle gets thrown at him and almost gets hit in the head. Like, I mean, you're laughing at it so obviously it wasn't that scary at all.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I wasn't it, 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 laughing. Yeah, sorry, Mate, I, 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 I wasn't laughing when, um, when Steve Waugh made us, well, he didn't make us, he basically told us, look, we've got to go back out there because, um, Cigarfield Sobers came in, the, you know, I do we said this, came in the change room and said, look, you're going to have to go back out and continue the game and, Sherman Campbell's gonna to have to bat because if you don't do that, you're not gonna get out of the tantrum alive. So we're like, oh, All right, come on, let's go back out and then I'm walking out and then and then Steve War said to me, Mate, B J you're down at fine legs. I went, Mate, there's no way in the world I'm going down that fine leg, Man, they're gonna bloody, they're gonna lynch me down there, you know. So I just said, Mate, I'm staying in the ring. There's no way in hell I'm going down the boundary at all So Yeah. It was more about just sort of staying in the ring. Yeah. And we weren't even worried about the game. We ended up losing the game, um, I think. And it was more about just sort of getting out of the ground. I mean, the ground, they were just going berserk. Yeah. It was just like booing and as you yeah. saw, throwing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it made it a very, I think, I can't remember which one day, international. it might have been the first one, but I remember even going to Guyana for another one. And they stormed the, the, the ground there again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they just, you know, if it was a wind to the West Indies, everyone just jumped the rope and just sprinted out the ground and yeah. grabbing cats and shirts and... Stumps and man, yeah. it was just a free for bloody nightmare. Good times.
3: Just, with, just picking up on that Garfield Sobers chat. It was in relation to Sherwin Campbell being run out, sort of unfairly or something. It was acrimonious. AJ yeah, was bowling. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Like yeah. when,
1: when I when, did shirt front him, it did it did look bad on TV. I mean, yeah. I came down, I bowled the delivery. He was running past. I went out to get the ball. Was he knocked it just in front of me? I stopped. He hit me, and then Bevo came in and took the stumps and ran out Clean. Sherman Campbell and he was and Campbell was lying on the ground but I must admit I didn't think much of it I mean I I wasn't getting out of the road put it that way I mm. sort of and they had a bit of a wingspan there as well my left arm sort of yeah. caught him great on my wings, shoulder man. so great wings it's a great rig yeah well you know I mean if he went down, that like, far out. Man, he milked out. He would have got a yeah. free kick anyway. He went to the soft Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah,
3: when, oh, like, when, you know, Sir Garfield Sobers is in the Australian dressing room. This is the 99 mm. Australian dressing room as mm. well. Like, and he says, listen, you're going to have to let Campbell bat again. Like, does anyone argue back to him in that
1: situation? Mm. So, well, no, Gary. Mm. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Gary. No. Oh, I reckon Warney might <laughs> have. I, My, sorry, <laughs> I like, mate, I'm not going back up there. What? Don't worry about it. Let's just go. Come on, let's go <laughs> to the hotel. I got something organised. Let's get in the bar, and mm-hmm. then, and I think your sober's might have said, "Mate, I don't actually think you're going to get out of the ground." But no, no one argued, and that was his right. mate. That was his town. That yeah. was Barbados. Was like he was the king. So yeah, even even more of the king the morning. Because people were chanting,
2: "We want Campbell. We want Campbell." Like you, you have to look at the footage. You've listened to this; it's yeah. insane. And yeah, as I said, bottles being thrown, and then the Australian team starts walking off. Some of the guys are running into the dressing room, and Steve Ward is like walking off in his little a little hustle off little the field. A little, yeah. little waddle. off the field. Then. Yeah. And then someone throws a bottle, nearly hits him, really yeah. closing him in the head. He just double, double teapots and just <laughs> well, stares, stares the, exactly. down the crowd.
1: It's like, Steve. But the thing with it, <laughs> the thing with it, right, is that bottle came from the members. I mean, where where the yeah. change room was was the members. And it would be like walking into the ladies' stand of the SCG or the members' stand of the MCG. <laughs> you don't expect a member... <laughs> You know, and it's all people in suits and corporates at that era. I mean, the jungle was at the other end, down my end. You know, right at the other end of the ground. Yeah, that's when it was like free for all there. But uh. you don't expect someone throwing from the members uh, a bottle at you. So that's why I think it caught a lot of us by surprise because we've been copying it at the other end of the ground, and then you're walking into the change room and someone does that. Yeah, that's when, it, yeah, that's when we thought, yeah, this is this is getting a little bit out of control. Out of here, yeah.
3: Brendan, thanks so much for the chat, mate. Uh, great to have you back on uh, episode, well, you know, 100-plus episodes in. Uh, and, you know, thanks for the advice you gave us and the experience of episode number four, and, <laughs> I, and I hope we've come a long way since then and uh, mate, hopefully catch you in one of the bubbles
1: this summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that, boys. Great to chat to you. Do you reckon you'll be around for episode 400? Oh, is that when you're booking yourself in another 400? I booked myself in for f, f- 400. Okay. I don't, re- I don't reckon we'll have Mark War by then either. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, I'm going to work on him all summer, and it will be my job to get him on here. Oh son, awesome. this awesome.
2: was this was a long conversation to get Alan Borders' phone number.
1: <laughs> I don't think he's got. I think I don't think he's got a mobile. Way, but he's still got the landline. Now.
3: Landline. That's good. I saw him do an interview the other day and he was in a hoodie at home and just, it just felt really incongruous oh. saying, you know, the, 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 grandfather the grandfather of my cricket yep. kind of uh, upbringing mm. in a hoodie. Anyway, that's neither here nor there.
1: I had to send something to AB, uh, email him something, and he goes, oh, mate, my internet's not working. He's still got dial-up. He's got that dial-up <laughs> thing. Oh my God. I said, buddy, he, he got an upgrade. He goes, no, no, the dial-up's working because he lives on a sort of a semi-farm up there. Mate, it's ridiculous. <laughs>
3: Brit and Julian, thanks very much.
1: <laughs> See you, boys.
2: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Good night. There's a budgie smuggler they've come through again with the goods. They're always supporting us in some capacity, if not in the trouser uh, trunk wear department mm. with the facial department as well, mm. bottom half of the face mm. stuff. Yeah. They've, they've got stuff for every
3: part of your body these days. How's your mask game, you by the way? pretty good uh, though I did I must confess yeah. this morning I forgot to bring my mask with my um, my work permit to come to this studio yeah. uh, and so I did for the one minute walk to your uh, to, to this studio I did um, put a, a yellow fluorescent vest over my
2: face I was a bit concerned when you turn up I thought it might be it might have been like Galatasaray away Nice. Just turn it yeah, with a flare. Yeah.
3: yeah, well, that could be the first thing that you get as a custom design, nice, budgie what? smuggler masks. Nice. I'm just trying to think about people who are a bit on the nose this week. If you're trying to think of designs for your budgie smuggler masks. Got to mask, cover your nose as well. Yeah, that's right. And people who are on the nose to cover your nose. Yep. If you want a custom design, I'm thinking people who are on the nose this week. Ellen. Yeah. You get Ellen DeGeneres on that face. Yep. Uh, on that on that mask. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Sam Newman's always in the news. Yeah, TikTok's in the news. TikTok, okay. yeah. TikTok.
3: What's CCP? up with TikTok? Yeah, the CCP. Yeah. Donald Trump yeah. If you, want, if you want if you want to turn heads, mm. these are the fucking people that you go to. Yeah. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to spitball a few ideas here. So you might have completely different
2: ideas. You might have your season goals or
3: your My Cricket page.
2: Season goals would be really funny to go to training because yeah. people are going to have to train in face marks. They're going to have to yeah. turn them in face marks sure. at the moment, especially yeah. in Victoria. What is it? 800 runs, 35 wickets. Something completely unrealistic. Yeah. You've never achieved that in never
3: any year. Never ever. touched it. How are you going to do it this year? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to change anything about the way Don't I prepare know. for cricket. Just I'm going to be a year older. I'm going to drink more. Yep. And I'm going to have exactly the same goals, if not higher, because it sounds good and feels good to say. Because you never get anything wrong in pre-season.
2: Do you ever think, like, when you score on the runs, like the year before, you are just like, oh, I was unlucky there, but I was unlucky fifteen times through mm. a year, and just yeah. like, oh, I can. There's something in me I can do this, and that. You know what? That's probably true. That's probably true with heaps mm. of cricket. Cr- 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 you're playing like you're playing like higher grades, grade cricket. You're a good player. Like mm. you are, you are good at the sport. And there's for heaps of people, they're like, if I just put more energy into this, I probably could be really good. Yeah. But then like. So then, that's that's the bit that fucks you with it a little bit, I think, in great cricket, where it's just in your brain. And so, but if you write it down, you put it on a face mask. For instance, budget smuggler. What would com. your goals be? My goals this yeah, year. Yeah. I played a season in the UK, and there we go. And uh, the first, I went there three years, and um, a club in Surrey. And the first year, I scored about say, almost eight hundred runs, I think. Uh, Seven hundred sixty-five runs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Forty-two. Yeah, yeah. And then. Right? At the last – at the end of season piss up, someone said to me, you can come back next year and you can score a 1,000 runs. And I didn't do that. But I Come back or score 1,000 runs? I came back. <laughs> oh, I came back. Well, let me tell you, I took that money. Yeah. I took those flights yeah. and accommodation. Let me tell you. And I cashed in. Pound a run? Um, Dollar a run? No, I can't remember what the deal was, but it wasn't that. But, um, but yeah, it was just it was just someone had said a number that I liked and mm. I was just like, okay, I'll do that. Mm. What, I didn't try any harder. I probably tried a little bit less, mm. if, any, if anything. I was
3: due to go to the UK in
2: 2005. So I thought we were re- going to do the budgie smuggler thing then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I, was due, I was due to go in 2005, playing, playing some good cricket. Yeah. And then I met my,
2: I met a girlfriend oh, and right. she became a wife. We have a child. Yeah. Okay. Second one imminent. Yeah. So you still think about that? Yeah. Yeah. What could have been? You could have, you could have scored 1,000 runs. Mm. You could have made a 1,000 pounds through runs. Mm. It reminds me of the poem, Two Rows Diverged in a Wood and I Took the One Less
3: Travelled By and that's made all the difference. And that would be on my smuggler mask. Buggiesmuggler.uk.com.
2: Percy lad hashtag AskTGC. Here we go. Uh, Ben Moss wrote in last week and we didn't get time to do it. Um, Matthew Hayden was telling us too many stories about Stradbroke Island. Uh, But he writes in. Yep. AskTGC. Here's a story about my comeback to cricket after a long injury layoff. A bit of backstory, I came over to England last year to play cricket like every young Australian cricketer dreams of, maybe, and upon a recommendation from a mate, ended up at a club in North Yorkshire. Romantic. The the club I ended up at was a proper village club in a proper village league. Thanks, mate. And having played a decent standard back home, it came as a bit of a shock to me. The 11th player is often found on the morning of game day and is usually somebody's sister or even once the 83-year-old club president. Anyway... I enjoyed my time making the most runs in the league and also taking 35 wickets at 12 with my very, very part-time left arm spin. So far, so good. So far, so good. Though most shocking to me was the fact that I ended up falling in love with the captain's sister. Mm. So I have a newfound... uh, So I've now found myself back at the club this year having just managed to get back into the country before the world completely shut down. My Australian season was cut short with a back injury. I only managed about five games for the year, so I wasn't planning to play at all in this village league this year. So, so just
3: to so I clarify there, he yeah. goes, so he's done really well at a village league. That's right. 35, wickets gets 12 Big most fish. runs, falls in love with a captain's sister, goes back to Australia to play his season, yeah. plays five games. That's right. But he returns to the UK for love yeah. with no intention of playing no cricket. No intention. Okay.
2: No intention. The story goes on, to my horror, But unsurprisingly, the club was struggling to find an 11th player for this week's game. So I said I would have a limited run around. So I stood in the field for 45 overs to watch our team drop nine catches and get hit for about 100 of the last 10 overs of the innings, all while not being able to move too well as my back is still bad at the age of 23. Oh, brother. My turn to to bat came and I was excited about having a hit. I walked out and first ball, I pulled to finally for a single, then looked down at my overpriced bat to see a big crack had developed across the splice. I decided to change my bat at the end of the over and the kid at the other end should face it out. He didn't and I had to face one ball, which cannoned into my thigh pad and was caught by the keeper. They all appealed madly and the 75-year-old umpire with no teeth stood still for 15 seconds before slowly putting his finger up to make things even better when I got off I was told by the scorers that it was, in fact, the seventh ball of the over. Mm-hmm. So my return lasted two balls, one of which broke my bat and the other caught behind off the thigh pad on the seventh ball of the over. Mm-hmm. My question is, do I go around again next week as I said I would or do I give in to the fact that my dodgy back isn't going to allow me to play the, uh, play past the age of 30 anyway, so I may as well just give up now? Sorry the question's so long, but, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Thoughts, Pez? My thoughts are like he's he's got to be full on or
3: not on with whatever he decides to do, whatever Ben decides to do. Yeah, He can't have this, I'm going to fill in last minute. Yeah, I scored the most runs last year. I'll just have a run around play as a stick. I've got a bag back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's either got to completely give up and say, no, I'm here for love only. I scored the most runs last year. I will remain a legend of the club. That's my legacy. I refuse to play. legacy stuff. At which point your stock grows because it's the mystery it's like, it's like, you know, what happens at upstairs cargo? No one knows because yeah. you don't get in, right? I, I do. Yeah. Well, I knew you would say that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. You needed to say that just for the narrative. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. What
2: the happens at upstairs cargo? Yeah. The other way yeah.
3: is to push through that fucking pain, whatever L5, S1, herniated disc issue you have. Yeah. And you've got some back stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, um, ensure that that legacy is developed. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go back and you be that fucking best run scorer. You take the most wickets. You you are the man. You get the pride of your girlfriend who was the captain's sister. Yeah. There's no middle ground. Or oh, runs for love. Run, you, you score runs for love. You get oh, in that cool. local paper in North Yorkshire. I'm just imagining the show Heartbeat now. You've got Greengrass up on the side. <laughs> 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 that's a fucking old reference, I have to say. One for the kids. Yeah. My parents were together. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> But don't do middle ground stuff, Ben.
2: No I, middle ground stuff. I love the idea of just like uh, – got a friend who had – he's got really bad knees. He's just a great athlete, just loves his sport. He's like good, one of those guys good at everything, yep. good at cricket, good, yeah, at, yeah. good I know at football, that's about, good at rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's, I'm talking about you. Yeah. And uh, I'm not. And uh, just a guy who like just shoot – his body's screaming at him, please do not play any more sport. I hate you for mm. doing this to me. My body
3: is a machine. It's separate from your mind. I you can't know, do it.
2: It's Saturday afternoon. He's, t- he's down to the footy again, and he's got his boots in the car just in case. Mm. If he didn't want to play, those boots aren- ain't in that car. You know. So he's, he's going to play. It's and like spirit play.
3: is willing, flesh is weak. <laughs> okay. It is. It's like what's more important, what your body that you can physically see and yeah. feel yep. is communicating to you right. or what these intangible notions of identity are saying to oh, you. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like well, but this is my – this is my
2: esteem. It know, some good numbers here. Legacy, love, identity, mm. esteem. That's what cricket is. It's, not, it's yeah. not a game. It's not a fucking game, It's an game, expression.
3: Mate. It's a sociological experiment.
2: They're not rules. They're laws.
3: It's so fucking up itself, this game. Sam Mitchell writes in, the former Hawthorne player. No. <laughs> okay. Dad's story is the title. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Ask TGC, context, I'm writing this whilst sulking on the boundary, mulling over my dismissal. Mm. It's my first competitive league game of the season in sunny South Wales, UK. Crisp new grey Knicks stash packed neatly in my kit bag. Sister is watching as she's recently taken an interest in cricket over lockdown. Not sure why. I'm opening the batting and get castled fourth ball of the innings. After a reluctant trudge off the field and an exaggerated hand gesture indicating prolific away swing to the incoming batsman, lovely, I grab my phone from the kit bag. Upon opening my WhatsApp feed to my family's group chat, my dad has asked, is Sam fielding or batting first? My sister, being very compassionate and receptive to my embarrassment, replies, His team are batting first. So emphasis on team. The italics are in team there. Mm-hmm. Truly underscores either side. That's how you do that. Mm-hmm. Dad's reply, Is he batting right now? My sister confers with me to get permission to break the news to Dad of my pathetic failure. Out of pure cu- curiosity, I allow her to reveal him, reveal to him the truth. As my sister's message was double blue ticked, I wondered to myself, Will Dad still make an appearance to witness my wicketkeeping performance for 45 overs? Finally, Dad responds with, think I'll take a rain check. Loads to do in the garden. See you later? Question mark. I reply with, cheers, all lowercase. My question is, shall I give up cricket to pursue a sport that will make Dad more proud and interested, or do I continue to waste my Saturdays playing this game that will ultimately never satisfy my desire for Dad's approval? Great to have you guys back. Yours sincerely, Sam. I
2: played, um... I played, uh... Start
3: talking about how many runs you scored. (laughs) (laughs) I played back in 05. (laughs) 730 at, uh...
2: Just cover, cover yeah. drivers is there for me. Um, I played uh, I played uh, football back in school, as in soccer, uh, and one of my best friends was the goalkeeper. And then his parents just, like, stopped turning up because it was the goal, he was the goalkeeper. He didn't have much to do. We had quite a good team, so he wasn't, like, making heaps of saves. Or whatever. And they were just like, I'm not driving across the other side of Sydney to watch you stand in a goal in the under-11s or whatever. And it's just quite funny because, like, just, like, his wicket-keeping performance where he's literally involved in the game every single ball for 45 overs, mm-hmm. but it's not – but, but then I started to think about the origins of what the keeper is because it's actually a time saver. Like, yeah. I'm, talking like, I'm not talking about like in the early 1900s. I'm talking about the very first games of cricket when they realised like, oh, the batsman often misses yes. it or whatever. It's probably a backstop. It's a backstop, yeah. yeah. So you're literally there as a time saver. <laughs> That's the origins of the wicketkeeping job. I used to – because I moved – I became a wicketkeeper in my teens because I was like, no, nah, I want to touch the ball more. It was a boredom-based selection. Right. It was a boredom, boredom-based choice mm-hmm. um, of position for me um anyway and then and then just like thinking about cricket in the uk and like how they're much more connected to the community the clubs are way more connected to the community I, I, like it, it'd be the same as any major metropolis like london or sydney or melbourne or whatever if you live in the city or like closer to the city those clubs aren't connected to the community yeah, the cost anyway.
3: of living's high you've got you, you've got it's to make that money every, to every pay dog for rent. himself bro yeah. like
2: it's everyone's looking out for everyone's looking out for top dog Everyone's looking out for number one. Whereas, like, every, every... dog for himself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Budgie smuggler, UK dog. Um, and so, it, but I really love that idea that even though, in like this um, place where his sister's come to watch and his dad might come to watch, there's always just something else to do in the garden. Yeah, he, he ain't watching the cricket.
3: Oh, i got a, got a different take, i got to say. Like, I mean, everything. Well, you'd I'm, be wrong. Everyth- okay, well, great. I'll say it anyway. <laughs> like, everything about this letter screams if highly. Um, functional, together, loving family. I mean, firstly, Sam is signing off, you know, love having you guys back. I mean, I, I, we haven't had earnest praise
2: in years. Yeah, it's um, a nice message. I'm not saying it's not a nice message.
3: No, no, but, but this, is, this is my point. Like, um, exclamation mark, yours sincerely, Sam. Like, really lovely stuff. He's got a sister. That's become interested in cricket yeah. and comes down to watch him before the game starts. Yeah. She's there to watch him get castled yeah. fourth ball. And not only that, she has the wherewithal, the knowledge, the yeah. um, compassion to check with him, to confer with him in a bid to get dad to the ground. Yeah. That's very, that's high empathy skills. Well, well,
2: she's in a relationship with someone else in the team. Possibly.
3: I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a that's a dark read, but possibly. Yeah. That's possibly true. Yeah. Dad writes back to the WhatsApp, and and he doesn't he doesn't absolutely out for his son. He just says, "Look, I've got loads to do in the garden." He's he's just trying to let him off lightly. Yeah. I think Sam, who's getting a literally getting a reply from his dad, yeah. should be fucking grateful for that to yeah. start with. He's grateful he's got one family member there who yeah. doesn't want to fucking give it to him when he gets cast the horse <laughs> ball, which is embarrassing. I think Sam's been ungrateful. I think Sam's a bit entitled with respect to Sam and his lovely family and his well written letter. And to think his dad's going to come along and watch him fucking keep wicket and he's like, oh, should I give up? Like, like your dad wrote back to you, brother. Yeah, you Be should Be grateful. Give up. Living there in Wales, your sister's coming along. <laughs> Get out of my fucking ass, TGCs. Get out of here.
2: Jesus. Come over to Australia and have a crack at that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Greg McLeod. Hi, guys. Sorry, Sam. I'll write to you with a question about the existential nature of the alpha. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> My local Sunday friendly village cricket team has recently acquired a new player by virtue of him recently moving to the area. Our current side is made of enthusiastic young lads with little or no formal coaching and middle-aged men with more injuries than hair follicles. As you can expect, our priority is to have a good time and get to the pub as quickly as possible to discuss this week's excuses for not making it into double figures. Our new player is a gun bat, good rig, hits a long ball, shapes up well and is currently playing in the Nottinghamshire Premier League. A quick look on play cricket shows his averages in the mid-50s, decent. And though we all agree he's our best player, we obviously hate him. Clearly, he should be the alpha, Mm. but is he? Mm. We uh, we like nothing more than to bring people down a peg or two, especially those that mention they play in the Prem. Playing in the Prem. Mm. Every other sentence, clearly trying to, d- to assert his dominance over us. Our enjoyment now comes from witnessing his failures. In his first game for us, after declaring the cars were too close and might get damaged by his mighty six-hitting, he got a golden duck. He laughed it off, but we knew he was crying inside. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I laughed at that. We knew he we was knew. crying inside. There's a we, wailing we, child we, inside his body we, as he walks off. We, we. <laughs> we, we knew. Nothing could have pleased, pleased us more. So now as we watch from the sidelines, we shout abuse it at any and every shot that isn't technically perfect. Is that how you do it in the prem? Is that how you do it in the prem? Mm. So my question is, can you be the alpha when you're clearly better than the rest of the team but your team constantly rips the piss and relishes your downfall? Or are we all being classic cucks <laughs> and doing our best to, to massage our own egos in the shadow of a clearly more dominant player? P.S., But yes, my girlfriend wrote into you last year about us meeting A.B. DeVilliers and me saying she could sleep with him if he gave me batting tips. I remember that one quite well. We decided not to ask him if he was up for that. We decided not to ask him if he was up for that. And to this day, I believe that is why I'm still averaging under eight. Thanks, Greg. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, P.S., what about yeah. that time I sexually proposition A.B. de so I just want to let you know what happened there. You up for it? A.B.? Mm.
2: You have sex with my partner and tell me how to bat. Uh, so actually quite lucky because the, the saying does go like once you go A.B. to V, you never go back. Okay. So good for the relationship that they've stayed together.
3: Okay. Look, this is an interesting question here, guys. Once you, you have A.B. to V. Yep. Keep having a go at it? You're no. My thing now. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. Sorry. So it's an interesting question from Greg because I think this question. is a uniquely UK situation. So I'm kind of loath to pass too much cultural comment on it. I mean, from like the, the I know you spend some time there, spent some time there. Like nobody, nobody can like hate others better than English yeah, people. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a sport in itself.
3: Opposition teams losing or well, teams that you hate losing, yeah. feels better than your own team, team winning, winning often. Yeah, and I true. think this that's might true. extrapolate yeah, yeah. to players as well. Yeah. So he, he notes this player, gun bat, good rig, hits a long ball, shapes up well, play, averages 50 in the Nottingham Premier League. Yep. So in Australia, that's cut and dry at alpha. Yeah. You can't, you can't not be an alpha in that situation. It's very difficult because you're not going to get like yeah. by virtue of the physical appearance, yep. guys aren't going to go, we're going to try and pull this guy down a peg or two. Yeah, true, say, it's true, more true, of a schoolyard thing. Like you, you pick on the people that you think look weak. Oh, he's got a weird body. Why does his hair look like that? <laughs> <laughs> what? Why does his hair look like that? I'm just trying to think of
2: things. Like something that looks weird is like they're going to be attacked. Whereas If we're, if we're at training mm. and you turn to me, someone walks past us and you turn mm. to me and he goes, he goes, why does his hair look like that? I
3: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was never the alpha, you know. I'm not uh, i take your point, though. If so, if we're down at training and yeah. there's a guy
2: in the first, and then he's made first grade, he's averaging 50, he's the big dog at training.
3: And you're not questioning it. You're going, how can we rip this guy down? No. You're like, look at his rig. Look at his long I'm ball. Asking for gloves. Look at the levers. Look yeah. at the average. Yeah. It's The whole thing's a package. What's his Whereas penis UK, look like? What's his penis look like? It's probably good. He's got a good rig, you know. Is What's his sister coming to the outline of his penis in his, in his training gear?
2: Can <laughs> you see hell? it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the outline
3: <laughs> So I uh, <laughs> laugh too much So um, So in Australia Christ. It's it's a done deal He's yeah. the alpha You don't pull them down a peg until Unless they do something To create that Whereas in the UK Clearly you're looking to pull people down regardless yeah. So it's a much more com- complex interplay Around who yeah. the alpha is Yeah I think both things can be true. I think these guys can be beta cucks massaging their own ego and yeah, this yeah. guy isn't the alpha because if people don't treat you as the alpha, yeah, then you're yeah. not the alpha. Perception's is yeah, yeah. everything.
2: But also like when Greg wrote this question, he was like the guy averages mid-50s in the Premier League. Decent. Yeah. It's fucking all right, Bradman. That's so good.
3: Is Greg – I mean this is the question. In Greg's mind and with his cohort of players and yeah. uh, the, the, the culture of yeah. English cricket at this level where right. you're shit, you look shit right. and everything is shit, yeah. is anyone alpha? are you going to permit anybody to be alpha? And if so, what are the conditions? Yeah, I'd love to is. hear yeah. from people in those categories. What does it take to be alpha when you're very shit yourself and you want to pull everyone down? Yeah. I'd love to know that. If you played you played first
2: grade, Pez, you're a good player, good little player. I disagree. If you played fifth grade now and you average 50, mm. you'd fucking, you'd bite my hand off for that, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 50 yeah. in any level is good. Yeah. Any level. I uh, sure yeah, when, when
3: he makes a mistake, he's like, oh, would you do that in the prime? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: I love the idea that they're calling out whilst he's batting. Yeah. Unless he plays a perfect shot. Yeah. They yell out,
2: is that how you do it in the Prem? Unless it's off the middle of the bat. Great. I love it, mate. Mate, thanks for thanks thanks for doing the show with me. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> Rob Key was good. Yeah. Ben and Julian always good. Yeah. See you guys next week. And thanks for tuning in as ever. See you next week.